0: Well, hello, hello, and welcome to It's Not A Rant. It's Articulate Warblin'. I'm Zach Ferguson, your host, your critic, and (laughs) the titular warbler. Now, a podcast, but a podcast with a different distinction. It's me, off the cuff, talking about everything that I love artistically. Usually, it will be segregated to literature, novels, books... And films, but not only that. It may be a time where I talk upon cultural things, most specifically within the art medium. Whether it's movie news, book news, culturally what's going on. It's literally a podcast
1: about a man on his own, staring at the four walls with no friends, and just thinking, "What am
2: I?" It's not a rant. It's an articulate warbling. This episode is brought to you by bunnyslippers.com. Subscribe to PGTTCM with DB Spitzer and Seraphie Fee, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. We use Podbean and Apple Podcasts. Some folks use Stitcher or Google Play. 1002, Series 10, Episode 2, Episode 109.
1: The Thurian Age, King Cole.
2: Check out our new website over at pgttcm.com. Check out new PGTTCM merch over at pgttcm.threadless.com. Two new shirts. Check out our Rat Fink Inspired Sothogwa shirt and the new Join a Cult shirt.
1: Remember to listen to Dave's Corner of this podcast. And check out his website over at davescorneroftheuniverse.com. And Ken Height over at Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff. An writ- awesome po- podcast. Yes,
2: it is. Written and edited by D.B. Spitzer. Audio by Seraphie and D.B. Spitzer.
1: Help the show by sharing, rating, liking, or five-star giving wherever you listen to or rate podcasts. Support the show by hitting the patron button over at pgttcm.podbean.com or by going to paypal.me slash pgttcm. Those two places are to donate money to the show,
2: Welcome back, everyone. It's, it's been a month.
1: It's been a month. Yeah. Way to, way to come back. Excellent job keeping listening to the show. I know we've been having some pretty awesome ghost stories this month. Yeah,
2: yeah. And Ken Hite just talked about ghost stories. Ooh. And we also have some Dave from Dave's Corner of the Universe talking about anti-ghost stories. And
1: Oh, anti-ghost th- ghost stories. Interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's like, what's a ghost story if you don't believe in ghosts?
1: Oh yeah. It's kind of a,
2: an analyzing Dave. I don't want to spoil it for people, but Dave starts out, I was driving one time, <laughs> and I saw a woman walking down the street. And then I didn't see her. Is that a ghost? Is that not a ghost?
3: Oh my gosh.
2: And I'm sorry. I don't mean to do I love do your Dave impression. Dave it's thing. awesome.
1: <laughs> Listen. Dave's Dave's corner of this podcast is really awesome. I really like it. Yeah, one of it's these a great days, it's a great segment. One of these
2: days. I'm gonna have to get him his own podcast like Zach Ferguson.
1: Yeah, right. Oh yeah. Do go over and check out Zach Ferguson's new podcast. It's um It's not a
2: rant. It's articulate, articulate warbling. warbling. That's
1: yes. articulate warbling, if you wanna hear the American pronunciation. But man, once you get into the podcast, his his voice and his stuff that he's talking about is really interesting. Even if you don't know the content that he's talking about, it's still very engaging, so I highly recommend it.
2: And even if you don't agree on Mm -hmm. his uh, opinion of movies or literature, it's it's fun to get a differing viewpoint. Oh
1: yeah, well it's always fun to listen to other people's opinions, I think. It's
2: fun to get an articulate viewpoint that differs from yours. <laughs>
1: right? He's, he is, he's very articulate. He's good at articulate. I mean, the, the name is so app.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> articulate
1: Warbling. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good podcast. Go check it out. And um, what have you been up to, DB?
2: Well, let's see. I have, I started a new job. Yes. So I'm cleaning mushrooms, like, several days a week. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. and
2: uh let's see what else is going on just working on this podcast Zach's podcast starting up another one in a couple of months but be fun. I'm keeping the lid on that currently
1: yeah right just tease it
2: what else is going on been watching community
1: yes, that's been fun I'm a on huge Hulu.
2: huge Dan Harmon fan
1: yeah I noticed that
2: yeah and you know I it's 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 been fun to watch and plus waiting for the new Rick and Morty so.
1: Yeah, and, you know, one of the things, um, I've also been watching Community, and one of the things I've been really interested to find out is that it mostly holds up. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if people know this, but in the last nine to ten years, there's been a huge cultural shift in our understanding of things like the treatment of women and the discussion of race and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that kind of stuff. And and yet, this commu- the show Community, it's... It holds up.
2: Mm -hmm. Been listening to a lot of podcasts. Been editing a lot of podcasts. Been talking to Ken Hyde about stuff. Been
1: uh,
2: just doing all kinds of things. Been
1: recovering from...
2: Oh, been recovering from the H.P. Lovecraft yeah. Film Festival and Cthulhu Con. Yeah. I unfortunately didn't get to see many movies at all, if any at all. No, um, but
1: you were too busy going to all the panels. I
2: was too busy going to all the panels all and the panels. being on several panels. I did yeah. one on Deep Time with Ken Heights. Oh, that
1: was so engaging.
2: And a bunch of other people. Let's mm-hmm. see who else is there. Scott Glancy. Let's see, uh, Sean Brainy from the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. Right. And Amanda um, Downham.
1: Amanda, yeah, the horror writer from Texas. Yeah, yeah. I knew she yeah. was a
2: horror writer, but I couldn't remember where she was from. She was, was awesome. From. Yeah. Uh, Actually, Deep- the whole board was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but
1: you did do the one on the terroir of terror. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, was, that was an interesting concept yeah. for sure. I think somebody... Thought of a pun and then wanted to actually make it a panel. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I, I'm not credited, but I was on Queer Horror with uh, uh, Downham, Cook, and uh, Evan J. Peterson, who was oh, yeah, the from, moderator on he that. He was from Seattle. He's Seattle. a professor yep, yep, up there. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that, that was, was very a interesting really good too. panel.
1: That was where I learned about all of the history of the Raggy or Picture Show I'd never known about. <laughs> That was pretty interesting. It was
2: a fun time. It was a fun time. So I highly recommend, if you get the chance, definitely uh-huh. make it to the H.P. Oh, Lovecraft yeah. Film Festival in Cthulhu Khan first weekend. Yeah. And uh, you should probably make sure First weekend
1: you, in October.
2: First weekend yeah. in October. Make sure you get your tickets early. Oh,
1: yeah. Don't, don't pull a Seraphie and think that you've bought them and then you haven't because you haven't and then you can't. Get them later.
2: Double check your Kickstarter. Make sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the Thurian Age, which I don't know if you know too much about. Is
1: that the one that's before Conan? Yes. Okay. When you said Thurian the first time, I thought you were just being, like, flip about the Athurian age. Ah, uh, You no, know, no. in England, but
2: no. <laughs> no, no. I was no. like,
1: since when do we cover our Arthurian legend? No, nope. well, <laughs>
2: Black Clock Audio Tales will. That's right. But uh, the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos is going to be talking about the Thurian age, an epoch of man that <gasps> predates the Hyborian age.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah, this is, like, pre-Conan, but... As you'll find from Ken Hite, it's kind uh-huh. of like rough draft Conan.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So sorry, I uh, just
2: had to keep that spider from landing on top of you in the middle of podcasting. Thank
1: you, my <laughs> hero. So, um, does does the um, Thurian age uh, predate the writing of Conan as well?
2: Yes. So it yes, is it does. A, literally it's, a rough draft. It's a rough draft. It's it's like. He, as Ken is going to talk about. Yeah. He wrote three, four stories about King Cole uh-huh. this period of time. And
1: then he was like, nah, the name can well, needs to have more syllables. He wanted more syllables He wanted to do
2: more with it than just have this like brooding barbarian king who you know, wishes he was as badass as he used to be. And then you have Conan, who...
1: Is as badass as he used to be.
2: And then becomes a barbarian king right, at some point. Right, right. So, yeah. I mean, it's... That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like how H.P. Lovecraft has Dagon, and then that story kind of ends up becoming kind of like the genesis for the shadow, shadows over Innsmith, yeah. and also Cthulhu itself. It's yeah. like there is a deep underwater cult of life, that we don't understand, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to get us. <gasps> so with my final words, I I write this. I yeah. write this. Ah, it's at the window. Oh, no. <laughs> As I write this, the thing is crawling through the
1: window and tearing at my hand. And within the Holy Grail, and they're in the caves, and they're all like, and, ah. And they're like, what? And he says, it says, ah. Hilarious. I don't know <laughs> if he's
2: the one who did it first, but it's a horror trope, and H.P. Lovecraft is one of the people responsible for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure there's probably some uh, gothic tale out there where some monk is writing in his spooky castle monastery and then something gets him and then someone some some proper english gentleman has to read something and is like oh he died while writing it yes let's talk about something older than hp lovecraft yes let's talk about the thurian age
1: older than the ages of man nowadays oh yeah
2: yeah no i mean technically according to Robert E Howard and yeah these are pre-human humans this this is like pre-humanish humanish societies yeah okay yeah. all
1: right like way hotter than regular humans yeah
2: i mean Atlantis is still around we have Atlanteans <laughs> at this point in time and we also have lizard people which we talk about wow. we talk about uh reptile sorcerers we talk about uh Ken and i do and mm-hmm. yeah no 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 uh, the thurian age it's it's where we get Serpent men.
1: That sounds great. Serpent
2: men that hide within our own society and take it over. Not theory, the conspiracy theory about like serpent people living in Lake Shasta.
1: Yeah, yeah, or like underground in the middle of the earth. Yeah. Like in Doctor Who.
2: Yeah, yeah, Doctor Who. Or we also have like serpent people in uh, various H.P. Lovecraft stories. I mean, uh, Ken and I do go over quite a bit of this stuff, but Uh yeah, yeah, no.
1: Well, I like the idea that um, reptiles could have evolved some sort of thinking humanoid. Yeah. It's unlikely but given the way that humans have evolved. But it's interesting to think about.
2: Yes, it is. It is interesting to think about. But do you know what's also interesting? Listening to Ken Height. Hold on.
1: Very true.
2: All right. Here we are back again with Ken Height, Black Clock Audio Tales. Welcome again, Ken. How's it
0: going? Good. Everything's pretty great. A not terrible October in Chicago. So everyone's having a good time getting ready for the big Halloween which of course is the most important time in the whole world.
2: Oh yeah yeah definitely definitely super excited about Halloween over here in the Pacific Northwest where you know we always have to worry I mean you have to worry about freezing temperatures and we have to worry about whether or not our outfits get wet so exactly
0: <laughs> right Well your outfits are all going to get wet you live in freaking Portland so <laughs> just No one can wear anything that isn't color fast out there which oh yeah I guess explains a lot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, brought you on
2: today to talk about Call in the Thurian Age. And what do you got? What What's, uh, it's, I, I know it's uh, Robert E. Howard. It's, I don't know if he wrote it before or after Conan. And I know that it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely part of this, like, um, deep time that, uh, Lovecraft and, uh, howard and clark ashton smith all played around with
0: cull predates conan cull shows up in the shadow kingdom Mm -hmm. in 1929 and howard only published i think three cull stories during his lifetime the rest are all dug out of his trunks and whatnot or finished by other authors and then conan began as a rewrite of a cull story conan is like improved cull basically gotcha improved i guess is a matter of opinion i think you know the universe has made its decision, but Cull is sort of—you know—as uh, Conan at the sort of tail end of his career is—is is a king who wishes he was still a barbarian. Cull mm-hmm. is a is is very sort of broody and and regretful already as king. Yeah. And so, I, I guess he's more uh, more thinky than Conan is. Although Conan is a smart guy, I don't, people shouldn't be ragging on Conan. But but Cull begins with I think personally maybe a little bit of unearned depth and so the, the the notion is we should take this character seriously because i've just told you he's serious <laughs> yeah, okay. and obviously you know what you really are here for is the secret uh, invasion of the snake people that call fights sure because that's the big i mean that's the big opener that the, the shadow kingdom and we learn Oh, Cull is king of Volusia, which we've never heard of because Howard made it up. He's been on his throne a few months and, oh my gosh, there's snake people and they can take human shape. And there's a plot against them. And the rest of the story is just going to root out the snake people conspiracy and genocide him. And it's like, well, that's a story, all right. And I I think the sort of the, the bigness of that, to me, makes the other Cull stories a little bit of a, well... It's fine, but it's no secret conspiracy of snake people. Fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I just, maybe it's just that I don't find Cull interesting enough as a character, or maybe it's just because I read Cull in my 20s and Conan in my teens, and yeah. that made all the difference. Just sure. the level of testosterone to uh, brain matter, uh, the ratio was off <laughs> in the good way uh, by the time I read Cull. So, uh, I don't know. I just I I think there's a reason that uh, Howard also you know gave up on Cole and, and and went into Conan. But but Cole's what he is, and like you say, he takes place yeah uh, before the sinking of Atlantis. He's born in Atlantis, and uh, so it's before the great cataclysm, as they say in the stories. Sure. And then, as far as I know, uh, Howard, in the published stuff at least, never uses the word Thurian to describe Cole's era. That's something that he uses in a later essay to sort of separate Cole from Conan. Conan being, of course, in the Hyborian era and Cull being in the Thurian era. And I kind of like the idea that in the same way that no one ever called medieval times medieval Uh until, you know, 500 years after they were over. No one ever called Hellenistic Greece Hellenistic times until the 1920s. I I sort of like the idea that some later uh, Hyborian historian is trying to come up with a name for the era of Atlantis, and he doesn't want to just call it the Atlantean age. So he says, well... There's a theory there was a big continent that was even bigger than Hyboria. Let's just name it after that. Let's call it the Thorian Age. And everyone there in uh, Aquilonia or was like, "That's a good name. Good job, there, pal."
2: <laughs> the unnamed Hyborian historian.
0: <laughs> right. The unnamed Hyborian historian. And I, I think that the, the the sort of that's the I mean, and, and Howard to my mind is less interested in what we call deep time, what you and I what you and I call deep time, sure. than. Lovecraft is, because Howard is not just a history buff, Mm -hmm. but I think Howard genuinely is interested in human beings. He wants to know what's going to happen if you make them fight, at the very least. And on a bigger canvas and in other ways, he's very interested in very human drives, you know, sex and adventure Mm -hmm. and civilization and all the sorts of problems that you see running through all of his stories, you know, uh, all of his characters... They may have simple motivations, but you understand their motivation. I want to punch that guy. I want to kill that guy that did me wrong. I want to mm-hmm. steal that gem. They're very human beings. And so I think for Howard, pre-human is just a thing for humans to fight. Yeah. Right? It, he doesn't have this sort of geologists belief in deep time that Lovecraft does, where Lovecraft can literally look at something that happens in the Cambrian era 600 million years ago and say this is just as important as what's happening in Europe right now yeah and that perspective and I don't want to indict Howard because obviously you know being interested in people is why his characters are better in virtually all cases than Lovecraft's Uh but I think that that it doesn't so much hamper him as he's not very interested in you know, describing the Empire of the Serpent Men and and their um uh and their economic background, and and uh, how they fought off the the Mushroom Men of Hyperborea or whoever. Uh-huh. Uh He just wants to say, yeah, they left ruins everywhere for Cole slash <laughs> Conan to live in and and fight people over, sure. and that's it. And the the fact that the Serpent Men are still around, and and uh, infiltrating uh, the Kingdom of Volusia and have been around for thousands and thousands of years, is more of an indication of this is a really serious conspiracy than it is a Lovecraft. If that same story had been a Lovecraft story, the absolute perspective tilting horror of having something older than mankind conspiring against you would have been part of it as opposed to just they can change shapes. They can look like anyone, which (laughs) I don't think I need to remind anyone in this year of our Lord 2019 is sort of, very standard conspiracy theory uh uh mongering and it, it goes back actually to the Roman times where the mm-hmm. Romans were saying it about uh the worshipers of Bacchus and the worshipers of uh Kybele and later on the worshipers of Jesus that why well, they could be anyone you know we'd better persecute everyone and throw them in the lion pit um and that's very very standard in at least Western civilization since then
2: all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cole's out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, like I said, I have like not that many really interesting thoughts about Cole. Sure.
2: <clears throat> yeah. No. No. I just uh, definitely wanted something to put in that episode so that I, it wouldn't just be me being like, uh, oh, you know, there's three stories and uh, <laughs> one of them's really good. <laughs> But no, having you be able to say there's three stories and one of them's
0: really good. One of them's really good.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's something about the Shadow Kingdom that kind of, like, I don't know, it's 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 like... I know it's been something that, like, has happened forever, like, oh, those people over there, they're not even human, but, like... I feel like that's like one of the first time. it's really in like weird fiction, kind of like in pulps and stuff like that. And then it's like definitely inspired other people to do things with like lizard people that can mm-hmm. turn into humans. But
0: um, yeah, I don't know if they're, if they're the first uh, lizard people ever, but uh, Howard's lizard people are sticky and memey in a way. And definitely uh, you can trace a line of descent from Howard's conspiratorial conspiratorial lizards that lurk within the ancient kingdom
2: uh-huh.
0: and can take human form I think it's not that distant a line of descent to go down to the good old reptoids yeah. that uh, David Ike is so worried about <laughs> yeah. and and, uh, and and as I think we all know about David Ike if you're really concerned with uh inhuman conspirators lurking amongst us, you are a hop, skip, and a jump from being a good old anti-Semite. Yeah. So uh, that's the downside of playing around with the Volusians is you um, uh, you burn your little fingers on it. Oh, yeah. You could almost have had the Shadow Kingdom be the same story if it were just Atlanteans or m- people from Lemuria yeah. or something. Yeah. And they, they could just shapeshift and so you couldn't see their their big domed psychic head or something. <laughs> or, or, or or whatever it was, uh, and the fact that they're reptile people, I mean, obviously Howard has got a, a thing about snakes, like Lovecraft has squids. But I don't think that for, I, I think that for Howard, it's more clearly a reason to hate these guys who are bad guys, than it is an evidence of of some sort of uh, deep time holdover or uh, overlap of the of the eons, the way that it would be with Lovecraft. Does that make any sense? Am no. I like just babbling?
2: No, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense.
0: I mean, with Cole, you, you really get the sense, and this is unfair, uh, because I think that um, if Carl if, uh, uh, Edward Wagner were alive today and could hear me, he would punch me for saying things like this. But I think that Cole really is more interesting to me as, like you say, as a sidelight on not just the other writers of Weird Tales, but of later Howard that it's sort of him sort of trying out the formula mm-hmm. and the and the methodology that would have that, that would produce all this great stuff and and again it's not that those are bad stories I mean by 1929 I don't think Howard was capable of writing an actually bad story in the yeah. sense that it is boring or doesn't go anywhere all right although you know what the interesting thing about 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 the uh the last cult story the mirrors of Tucson Thune mm-hmm. and you because you brought up um uh, Clark Ashton Smith yeah mirrors of Tuzen thune reads like a clark ashton smith story mm-hmm. more than it does a howard or lovecraft story i mean he's he's still sort of you know the howard prose it's not smith prose by a million years but the story of mirrors of Tuzen thune is just cole wants to know the meaning of life what is all this murder about <laughs> he's unsatisfied as a king in person and they're like well you should go meet uh, the magician Tuzen and thune he'll tell you the secret of life and he goes, and the wizards just like uh, the secret of life is uh, that uh, everything's a mirror. You're you're never gonna know it, and so that's sort of. And then they they get mad at the mirrors because the mirrors reveal hell, and Cullen and he, he gets uh, saved by his uh, by his buddy Brule. and you know, so it's sort of at some point there's a Howard ending to it. Mm-hmm. But that first like two thirds of it is very much Clark Ashton Smith story, and the weird thing is, of course, it predates. Clark Ashton Smith's first Weird Tales story. Huh. Smith starts writing fiction in October of 29. Yeah. Uh, or November of 29 and gets published in 1930 and this gets published in September of 1929 in Weird Tales. Gotcha. Okay. So, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not the expert. You should have Scott Connors on and ask this question. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if Clark Ashton Smith, when he's reading *Weird Tales* to figure out what he's going to write, I, w- I mean, we know that he and Lovecraft are sort of exchanging a long-form conversation about how do you write fantasy, mm-hmm. and Clark Ashton Smith, it, by the way, is winning that conversation. <laughs> um, but I almost, I almost wonder if he looked at *Mirrors of Two and Thune* and said, "Well, if this story went nowhere more excitingly, it would be a much better story. Maybe that that becomes sort of the the, um, the beginning of, of *Maligris* and." And all of Clark Ashton Smith's sort of very uh, internally unsettled uh, protagonists—heroes yeah. is the wrong word because they're all terrible people—but but, yeah. but the, the the sort of figures that that, that are driven by by introspection and, and ennui. I mean, it's it's weird to think of Robert E. Howard as a as a poet of ennui, which again is I guess why Cull didn't stick around. Sure. But it's it's very much, you know, that's the motivation of Cull in this story is that that's he just doesn't want to do nothing. doesn't doesn't know that there's a reason to do anything. Poor Cole. Poor Cole, exactly.
2: (laughs) Besides uh, besides Cole and the uh, uh, snake people or serpent serpent people, is there anything else of note that uh, happened in the Thurian age in these stories, or is that that's pretty much it?
0: I mean, I think most of the stories of the Thurian age are the stories of Cole in the same way that the stories of the Hyborian age are the stories of Conan, Mm -hmm. that Howard uses the the setting as a backdrop. He's not bringing a world to life in the sure. way that Tolkien is. Yeah. Uh, he is, you know, putting sort of quasi-believable Atlantean stuff around. And he, he's, I think, even less of an effort in the Cull stories than he does in the uh, Hyborian stories to tie it into uh, uh, historical time, because he just wants to have the sort of pure adventure of Cull. but he realizes that he can't do it with Cull. Uh, the characters too uh, too iffy and there's not enough saleable magic and, 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 and sex in them. Mm-hmm. So he sort of goes back and, and rewrites it and puts it closer to historical eras he can crib from, I guess. Sure. And then I, I think that other, I know other people have written cold novels. I'm pretty sure, like I say, Carl Edward Ragnar wrote one. Yeah. I don't know. And there were comic books. Uh, but I don't know if, if there's any more sort of meanwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Across Thuria, I I don't know if that is a thing. I'm sure someone's written it, you know, in fan fiction, but one of the, I guess, one of the upsides of the fairly tight, um, uh, trademark, uh, grip on Kull that, uh, the uh, uh, people in Sweden have Mm -hmm. is that there's much less sort of faffing around pointlessly in the margins of the Thurian age. Okay. But, but again, I don't know if there's, if there's, if there's more stuff that, you know, I mean, I, I, you never rule out Lynn Carter having finished something.
2: Yeah, no, no. I, was, I, I, I keep thinking in the back of my head, Lynn Carter had to have done something. Lynn Carter finds everyone else's half-finished things and goes, you know what? I can flesh this out. And right. it's not going to be something that you're going to want to sit and read. But, oh, man, if you're a game designer.
0: We have got a solution for you. <laughs> I don't know that. the. I mean, the part of it is also, let's say that you're a Robert E. Howard fanboy <laughs> of whatever stature. Would, and you're gonna write something that isn't about Conan or Cull. Are you gonna rather set it in the Hyborian Age or in the Thurian Age? Because the lure of the Thurian Age, I think, is uh, and, and again because it's less immediately what do I want to say less stealable mm-hmm. than the uh, than the Hyborian Age, less familiar. I mean, you, let, let's say I'm gonna write a story set in Grandar. Does anybody care? Do you even care?
2: right yeah <laughs> no, I, I can see it going both ways though like uh, there's there's nothing there so you can build up whatever you want but I mean if you're gonna do that right. you might as well just build up your own stuff and not right. I mean, uh, ride you Howard's can't, coattails
0: you, right you can't sell it um, as saying it's a lost cult story because yeah. you'll get sued by the Swedes so why not uh, basically do what Lynn Carter did do and write you know your own version of as Thongor of ancient Lemuria yeah uh, and just write your own magic continent you're I just don't know that there's so much of a de- demand for Cull. That stories about an entirely different country that have nothing to do with Cull are sale are selling points. Sure. Maybe I'm wrong, but that doesn't—that just doesn't seem to be a thing that uh, that anyone's in a in a sweat over. Although, you know, people I guess who are listening to this podcast are the definition of people who are in a sweat over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh,
2: personally, I feel like anytime you introduce a barbarian king in pre. Human times, it's going to people are going to be like, Oh, you mean like Conan? Oh, you mean like Cole? But more likely, Oh, I mean, right. like Conan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everything seems like uh homage or parody after a point with that kind of stuff. It feels,
0: but I mean, and that, and that is that is true, and that's something that I guess the whole sword and sorcery genre uh labors under is the why aren't I just reading Conan again? Yeah, and it, it takes a lot of effort to be someone as good as Fritz Leiber. Or as um, the author who wrote Imaro, whose mm-hmm. name escapes me, but has also got a, a, an original take on it, and it's not just like reading, you know, sort of uh, Lynn Carter. Yeah. Uh, it, it's someone who's got something fun and, and interesting to do with that setting and that and that genre, that subgenre. I, I guess to some extent, I mean, we're all we sh- we're all should be lucky that uh, Robert E. Howard wrote the less interesting knockoff of his character before he wrote his <laughs> main character. <laughs> yeah didn't do it the other way that you know a lot of people do
2: sure well that sounds like a good uh good point to end with uh cole thank you so much ken for coming on and talking about the thurian age and cole uh definitely going to have you on to talk about conan and the hyborian age in probably a month or few so yeah
0: absolutely ready
2: ready 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 all right um uh, thanks again man yeah no have a great halloween and uh we'll talk to you in the future fantastic
0: look forward to it Uh, Excuse
2: me. Hey, everyone. We hope you're still listening to the show. Up next, we have some David Heath talking about King Cole and Volusia and all that fun stuff. So, listen to that. And also, why not check out bunnyslippers.com and founditemclothing.com? Keep your feet cool this winter and keep your torso looking even cooler. BunnySlippers.com, FoundItemClothing.com And also help support the show by going to Paypal.me PGTTCM Or buying one of our cool t-shirts Over at Threadless PGTTCM.Threadless.com Alright, back with David Heath
1: Welcome to Dave's Corner Of this podcast
3: My name is David Heath and I run a blog Called Dave's Corner of the Universe And today I've been asked to talk About the period Of time of King Cole I believe Robert E. Howard called it the Therian. You know, don't trust me on pronunciation of anything written by any pulp artist other than, say, the name Jones, Smith, or San Francisco, because you know I'm going to mispronounce it. But we're talking about Robert E. Howard's period of King cult which is roughly 35,000 to 40,000 years uh, before the Christian era. Now, most of these are going to be the King Cole stories. And just, I don't know, I found this very interesting fact, trivia, whatever you want to throw out there, but 9 out of 12 of the King Cole stories were not published until the 1960s, um, 30 years you know, after Howard's death. But what I do believe... Is that Howard? Howard was a world builder. He loved creating these worlds, and he would create these worlds that supported Cole. He created this world that would support Solomon Cain. He created this world that would support Conan, and he loved his worlds. And so, even though these nine stories didn't see publication until way after he Died, I think he used them, and you've got to remember that this Age of Cold, this Age of Atlantis, this Therian Age is still going to be background for his much later, you know, Conan stories. So they are canon in Robert E. Howard's mind when he's creating his later more famous stories. And this is going to be a basically an Iron Age society. I mean, the Atlantean swords are going to be precious and valuable, maybe not magic, but very special in the Conan saga. So they're going to carry on. But even though this is a, you know, a... Pre, you know, thirty-five thousand years before the Christian era, we are still going to see many societies that Howard was familiar with, reading about in his public library. We're going to see uh, stygians We're going to see Picts. We're going to see Proto Persian Iranians, and we are also going to be what he uses this period of time. Is this is going to be the beginning of the rise of man and the fall of the pre-human creatures? These uh, the reptilian uh, serpent men. This is going to be very um, reflective of Margaret Murray's witch cults of Western Europe, which basically was a 1921 anthropological book which basically said that the the wee people the the races of leprechauns and goblins were legends left over from non-human species that had died off much like anthropological species like i don't homo erectus but th- these were other branches of mankind that did not survive and that they didn't survive up to that time or their memory survived up to that time. We're going to see a fictionalized version of this belief in Michael Crichton's uh, Eaters of the Dead, which these Beowulf-like creatures are a different human race other than Homo sapiens. So, what was 35,000 to 40,000 years ago really like? Did they have iron and great boats? No, it was a Stone Age. Uh, it was a Paleolithic era. It literally was a Stone Age. Now, Robert E. Howard is going to sort of justify this, and he's going to take this ancient concept of destruction and renewal and that the earth is going to become not destroyed but so damaged so close to destruction that the continents are going to change now this might this might fly in the face of modern you know scientific thought where you know we understand continental drift but There were a lot of ideas that the continents were all together, but they couldn't explain it in the 20s, 30s. So, yes, Robert E. Howard is playing loose with science, but that's okay. He's a fantasy writer. He's not writing about, you know, the history. He is using pseudoscience much the same way where Lovecraft Tried to use science. Lovecraft tried to use, you know, cutting science and astronomy with the discovery of Pluto, you know, what Antarctica might be. Quite often, Lovecraft's science was wrong. So, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about Robert E. Howard because he's not trying to do a scientific, science fiction, a historically accurate. No, he's using these things, this pseudoscience. As the rule of cool. He's writing it not to make you believe in it. He's writing it because it's fun. And he wants you to have some fun. In his sandbox. So in addition to the main continent. Of Theriana. He's going to use. Islands. And cultures. That are going to be found. In parapsychology. And pseudoscience. Uh, Lemuria is going to be islands off the coast, Uh, he's going to use Thule, he's going to mention Mu, but, you know, he's also going to populate these with Styrians and Pickish, people who aren't going to come for another 40,000 years. So he's going to read the writings of Madame Blavatsky, and I believe that there are some correspondence between him and Lovecraft uh, about just how hilarious, over-the-top, how gullible people have to be to believe in these teachings of Madame Blavatsky, but that they make for great fantasy writing. Now, I know quite a few people who are educated, intelligent, well-read, who believe in the ancient society of these ancient civilizations. A History Channel basically stays afloat with the ancient aliens, which is sort of an off-branch of this ancient society. I know people who more educated than me, probably much more intelligent, who absolutely believe in Atlantis and Lemuria, and who really do believe that these cultures exist. Now, some people think that people like Howard actually tapped into some sort of historical hive mind in that they're actually writing things. Uh, Others, you know, maybe think as an example. But what I think that is so powerful here is why people still believe this concept, if not Howard's version of it, is this belief of destruction and renewal. The society gets to this point, and it's destroyed, and we have to start again. And these sort of anti antediluvian societies that keep coming up until we have the current state of, or the stage of mankind. And as readers, we don't really care about this beautiful, painstaking background that Robert created for us. We want Cole to cut off the lizard head. We want Conan to climb the tower. But the stories are better for these backgrounds that Robert E. Howard created. In fact, I think that the background of Conan and Cole stories are much better than Lovecraft's Dreamland background. It's just sort of this dimension that's there because of human sleep, where we have this wonderful, thorough history, especially later when it comes to Conan, but even here in its first attempt, Robert E. Howard would have been this meta dungeon master who would have even though your adventures are all going to be in Ravenloft, he would know who is the mayor of the Sword Coast. He would have been that incredible dungeon master. And because these stories, these adventures, benefit from his meta world, they benefit from this concept of destruction and renewal. This isn't in another universe, this isn't in another dimension, this isn't another planet. This is our world that so drastically changed once, twice, three times that who's to say it's not going to happen again? What is really important, though, is this is the decline in the Robert E. Howard timeline. This is the decline of the non-human races. And they are going to either go underground or go extinct or hide on an island. And this is going to be the rise of man. And man is still going to be suffering these destructions. We're still going to see it again with the loss of the Theriana um, society. We're going to see it with the collapse of the Hyborian society. And now we have this new society, which again, this... This concept of recycle and growth and circular... This is an epic... This is what things of legends are made of. And this is the blood pulsing in Robert E. Howard's stories. But the creatures now, like the serpent men... They are going to stop being the masters of this world... And they are now going to become the monsters. These are the creatures now... They're hiding in the shadow. They're hiding underground. This is man's world, so they have to become monstrous. And their, their mere intrusion into our world is horrific and monstrous. This is where we get horror into the Robert E. Howard stories. So the Cole and the Conan timelines are two different things. But no, who does not know that? Hollywood. They will just grab and pull out of either society. They're basically the same. Even though in this world building of Howard, they are separated by continent-changing catastrophes. And what I mean this is, when we have the Conan movie, things like The Serpent Man and Thucydale Doom... They are actually taken from the Atlantean, Therian age, Cole stories, and when we finally get around to making a King Cole, you know, it's a Kevin with a Kevin Sorbo movie. It is actually based on Hour of the Dragon, which is a Conan movie, a Conan book. So, as far as Hollywood's concerned, these are these are the same. Iron Age civilization. As a person who loves books and loves Robert E. Howard's storycraft, they are two completely separate time periods as much as modern time is different from colonial America. They're completely separated. And yes, Conan is going to be this most Robert's most filled out, most detailed of his worlds. And a part of that's because he's gonna hit this writer block and he goes into this huge world creating mode to to overcome this this writer's block. But the other thing that I really like about the period of Atlantis and King Cole This is one of his first. It's not necessarily his first, but it's his sort of really one of his first great attempts to build a world and to build a world using words and societies and civilizations from Western society, but in ways create something else, something that is as much Texan, as it is Atlantean. These men that can be self-made, these men whose destiny is in the land, these men who are true warriors and lovers, these ideals that Robert E. Howard saw in the stories of the people who colonized Texas for America... And for the people who were, you know, the 10 years that there was a Texas Republic. These people are put into these ancient people and made strong because these, the Atlanteans and the, you know, the people of coal, they are in this un settled, uncivilized land that they are going to bring under human control. And instead of, you know, people who were there on the property before, on the property for animals, they are literally going to go after reptilians and monsters. And so I think we see a lot of, of the Texas spirit in both of Robert E. Howard's primary ages. Again, my name is David Heath and I have a blog called Dave's Corner of the Universe and uh, thank you for listening me talk about one of my favorite people in history, Robert E. Howard. Hey
2: everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. That
1: was so awesome. Yeah, no,
2: no, learning about the Thurian Age, King Call, Serpent People.
1: Well, and, and you know, Ken Height and Dave Heath are just some really interesting people to listen to.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, no, you know? no. Uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but David had a cool, cool panel at the H.P. Lovecraft Film no, Festival. what was it on? H.P. Lovecraft in comics.
1: Whoa. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Wow, it was at it the same time as one of my
2: panels, so I wasn't able to go. It's <laughs> <That's> a shame.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> they schedule that thing so so tight. Oh it's yeah. It's only three days. Mm hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Yep, yep. I I missed out on a panel because I was busy scheduling mid October, late October, while I was while I was at the while I was at the uh, yeah. festival. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, again, if you haven't had a chance, definitely go to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in Cthulhu Con in Portland, yeah. Oregon, 1st October. There's a lot of really cool people. I oh, always see Scott Glancy there, Ken Haidt. Right.
1: Right, and that's just the con part. There's also a whole film festival as well, yeah. with with entrants from all over the world. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. has um, three short shorts blocks, usually maybe Four, five, five, six. Six. Sometimes there's <laughs> six shorts blocks, and then several full length films. And they always premiere something. Oh yeah, something is always premiering at this Definitely. film festival. Definitely. So. I highly recommend it. Oh
2: yeah, no. If if you like weird fiction, if you like if you like the talking to weirdos mythos, about weird
1: fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: also it you know, if you live on the west coast and you yeah. just want to go to a place where there's gonna be a lot of people doing a lot of cool stuff Man. and talking about weird fiction. It's Cthulhu it's the place shows to go. Up. Yeah, yeah. So Although,
1: yeah. I mean the tickets do keep selling out right away. Yeah, so you
2: have to get onto so it right away. <laughs> so don't what?
1: Don't come. I know, do come, it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Um, do we have anything that we need to talk about? Let's see, next month on Black Clock Audio Tales, we've got Old English. Ooh. So it's going to be Anglo-Saxon sonnets. Ooh. And some Beowulf.
1: Ooh, double. Yeah, yeah. That sounds amazing. We've
2: also got the Seafair and some other stuff going on. But yeah, no, it's it's... If you want your old spooky stories. Yeah.
1: I do want my old spooky stories. If you want
2: your old actiony monster stories, yes, I please. mean, hey, that's 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 where you go.
1: Thanks for listening everyone. Keep it squiggly
2: and stay weird.
1: Check out our new website over at www.pgttcm.com. Check out our new pgttcm merch over at pgttcm.threadless.com. There's some amazing shirts over there.
2: Hey, let me tell you about those shirts. Two new shirts at least. We've got our Rat Fink-inspired Sothogwa shirt and our Join a Cult shirt. Also, if you want to help, 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 help out the new podcast with Zach Ferguson, we've got a Zach Ferguson shirt (gasps) so that you can help out the show. woo Yeah, yeah.
1: Zach Ferguson, he's so awesome.
2: He's pretty cool. I like the guy.
1: Mm -hmm. Anyway,
2: uh, remember to... uh, Help out the show if you can. Yeah. yeah. We've got the PayPal at pgttcm. Dot, oh, no, no, no. That's paypal.me slash pgttcm. You can also become a patron at pgttcm.com <laughs> p-g-t-t-c-m. and pgttcm.podbean.com. And uh, also, you know what? If you are on pgttcm.com and a link isn't working or something's off, Message me, and I'll fix it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: Facebook is a great way to get a hold of DB.
2: Yeah, and I, I'm the only one really working on the, uh, yeah, the I'm site.
1: Just, I'm just a pretty voice.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do all the social media, and I'm the one who uh, does all the emails and all that fun stuff and editing yeah. and cool stuff like that. So, you know, if if you see something, say something. Yeah. Subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Rate, review, and, you know, give us five stars if you feel like it. And also, check out our sponsor, bunnieslippers.com and founditemclothing.com. Thanks again for listening. great review, subscribe. PGTTCM.com is our website. And PGTTCM, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, is our monthly show on the last Tuesday. Think you. All right. Thank you again, everyone.
1: Yay!